With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel, and uh, welcome to another Narcissistic Central show. And Lisa, unfortunately, can't be here today. She's been called away on business. So I'm hosting this solo. And uh, what I've got today, I'm really excited about this show, really, really excited. And the reason being is because I've got a really special lady who's going to be on the show today. And she's uh, her and I are going to be talking about the things that people can do and access when they have been narcissistically abused and, you know, there's a huge world demographic out there that fall into that category and how uh, people can actually get involved in, like, some message forums and um, some boards to be able to realise that you're certainly not alone and there certainly is support out there. And Susie and I are going to be talking about the way to get into the right resources because when you have been narcissistically abused, most definitely you've been victimized and you've been through a hellious experience that uh, is quite off the charts. It's one of my favorite expressions, but anybody that's been through narcissism can really, really relate to that. And it's really important that you're getting the right sort of support, you're getting the right sort of advice and suggestions about how to rebuild your life because Contemporarily, if you look at the structured psychology uh, versions of this, you could be really stuck in a lot of that pain and that violation for years and years and years and years to come <clears throat> or you know, maybe never ever get your way through that. So I don't endorse that at all and the work that I do doesn't endorse that at all because I think you know, we've all done way too much suffering. It's not about suffering, it's getting out of that suffering. And... This is what I love about Susie. You know, Susie contacted me by email a little while ago and I just loved her energy and her vibe. She's been through it. She's absolutely been through it. And uh, what I loved about Susie was she was one of those people that are out there batting on those forums and those message boards really bringing forward the right sort of messages that really make the difference between being a victim and rising up into empowerment 
So Susie and I are going to be discussing that today. And uh, look, you know, if anybody did want to ring in or get on the message for, uh, on the on my uh, chat and ask any questions, by all means do. But uh, Susie, welcome. Hi, thank you very much. I'm so happy to be here. It's it's great to have you on, and you haven't been on radio before. Um, not discussing this subject. <laughs> no, no. Um, years ago, with the job I had, I, I did some um, radio interviews for uh, discussing the product, but not on this subject. Great. Well, this is such an important subject to discuss, isn't it? It is to me. It is so important to get that information out there. Um, for me, uh, as you know, I, I was in a, a short, which is um, which was so mind-boggling to me that I could be in a relationship that only lasted eight months, even though it was a very intense eight months where we saw each other three or four days a week, 24-7, but just be left so devastated <laughs> when they do the devalue and the discard. They just toss you like away like you're a used Kleenex. And even though I, yeah. I was the one that made that decision when I caught him on my computer at my house emailing other women, and I was like, what? You know, what is this? <laughs> you're, you're not only just emailing other women when we're supposed to be in an exclusive relationship, but you're doing it at my house while I sit right next to you? Are you kidding me? Yeah. So I asked him to leave my house, and then he just disappeared. I mean, he, he walked out. He, he said three words to me. He said, yes, that's very disrespectful. I'm sorry. You have every reason to be upset. And he walked out, and I never heard from him again, not one word, an email, a phone call. I had tons of his stuff in my house, and um you know, I wasn't going to contact him, that's for sure. <laughs> that was my only saving grace, but I just, I couldn't believe that somebody could just walk away from me. Like, what am I, invisible? I'm not a person. I'm not a human being. And, but, you know, that's that's the way they do it. And why I think it's so important is that nothing made sense to me, nothing, until I heard the words narcissistic personality disorder, started reading about it, and then everything he had done was like a textbook. I mean, it's like check, check, check. Um, they're all so alike. They're all so predictable. It's, you know, fascinating. And I'm just so grateful for the information that's available now um, and the Internet because I think I'd still be spinning in circles if, I, if that information wasn't available to me. So I think it's so. Really how, did you, how did you stumble on the expression narcissist? Um, you know, I somebody had given me the book. I was so devastated and destroyed. Somebody had given me the book "Women Who Love Too Much," which is a great book written. Great you book. Know, Terrific book. I love that book. Years ago oh. or something. <laughs> so she, yeah. the, um, the author, Robin Norwood, says you know, try to get a support group, you know, like it's not enough just to read this book. So when I Googled um, support groups, I was hoping to find a face-to-face -face support group, but the only thing I could find was um, a, an online group on a, on a board called Daily Strength. And so I started posting on there, 
And this was probably like three or four months after the breakup, but I was still, you know, crying and shattered. And one of the girls mentioned it, and I emailed her, and she, you know, she goes, oh, it sounds like you're having a really hard time with the devalue and the discard. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like the minute she said that, it all made sense because I'm like, that's exactly what happened. You know, I was just... Yeah, yeah, and they're very narcissistic terms, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, um, and then she, you know, she said, this this board isn't so much about narcissism, but there's this other board called the Web of Narcissism, um, W-O-N for short, that you can just Google Web of Narcissism and it'll pop right up. And that's where I and found... And just stopping right there too, Susie, just to add to that, I've uh, looked into the web of narcissism and I really do highly recommend that for people out there that are looking for a credible forum message board to uh, hook up to. I really, really do because uh, there's a few of them out there that I'm not really endorsing, but that one I do. So anyway, yeah, continue on, Susie. Oh, no, no. It's just, I, I just wanted to say I think it's, fantastic it's um the there's a a main moderator and then several other administrators and all of them are so compassionate so intelligent so helpful um and nobody um is encouraging you to be a victim they're all encouraging you to be in your power stay in no contact and it was just where i learned Almost everything. I mean, I also read about 10 books <laughs> in the meantime, but I, I just feel like my interaction on that board has been everything to me. It has, it has you know, I always, I always tell um, the girl, her, her name is Eyes Up on that board, that, you know, she practically saved my sanity because, um, you know, she was the one that directed me there. And it's, it's really important that, for me, that people know that what they're dealing with because you take it so personally and you don't understand what's happened. It's, it's so bewildering, or it was such a bewildering experience for me. Um, I'm just like, what, what just went on here? You know, I'm like, you're, again, you know, you're just going to walk away and, and, and pretend like, <laughs> like I didn't exist. And um, so... It, it just it, it explains everything in, in, a, in a really clear fashion and not in some kind of, you know, psychobabble that's difficult to understand, but just, you know, everyday people helping everyday people. And Susie, you were really very different to a lot of women on the narcissistic trip and very, very different to what I was for sure because when you... I guess you saw it, you got it. And as you said to me, you know, on the phone when we talked, you said, you know, your pride kicked in. Your pride kicked in and you went, I'm not going to chase, I'm not going to go for that validation, I'm not going to go for those answers. And, and of course, that was very, very painful because ultimately you weren't getting them. You weren't, you know, he wasn't providing them, he wasn't getting them. But, you know, most women on the narcissistic trip, what we've done is we go in time and time and time again trying to get those answers. And, of course, then that really uh, sets up a woman with narcissistic abuse to really get the, the maiming and the degrading and the devaluing. 
And then, of course, in amongst that, all of the discarding as well, you know it can be like being kept on a string where they can pull you in for narcissistic supply and you're trying to get some sensibility out of it and some validation and some normality and then you get that horrible discarding and devaluing and degrading which can go on for weeks and months and years and there's probably women that are out there listening to this that go, oh my God, you know, that's what's been happening to me. So you were very, very fortunate in that respect in that you didn't go back in but even so, you you still had to go through an intense healing process, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to tell you that I will credit um, two people for that. Uh, the first one being my best friend and um, the second one being I have a fantastic therapist that probably about two weeks um, into the breakup, after the breakup, I just knew he was going to contact me. I had no doubt. I mean, there was, you know, at that point, I would check my email 50 times a day, like a little, you know, rabid dog, you know, just keep checking. And boy, doesn't that sound, oh yeah, who hasn't uh, done that with a narcissist? Check the phone, check the phone. Is my phone working? <laughs> call people and tell them to call me back. Because <laughs> I'm like, apparently my phone is broken. Because obviously it must be because he hasn't called. And I mean, especially the first two weeks, I just had no doubt that he would contact me, zero doubt. And probably yeah. right about the two weeks, because I, I, I'm telling you, he had a bunch of stuff at my house and I, I have a, an SUV and I loaded all of his things in my car and he lived about an hour and a half, almost two hours away from me and I knew his schedule, I knew his work schedule so I didn't want to see him but I was going to drive over there when I, when I knew he was going to be at work and just put all his stuff on his front porch and I, to, I mean, I literally had his things in my car, and I told my best friend, and she said, really? Well, okay, that's okay. She said, just, just know he's going to see that as a plea for attention. And I was like, what? And she goes, I said, I just want to get rid of it. I don't, I don't want it here. And she said, really? You don't have a trash can? <laughs> she said, if you don't want it in your trash, you know, if you don't want it in your house, put it in a trash can because, she goes, listen, I, I commend you. I would have been over there a week ago, she said, but I promise you, if you take his stuff, you take that stuff over there, he is going to think it is nothing but a plea for attention. And, oh, my gosh, I, don't, I mean, that was the perfect thing to say to me. I don't know if that would have worked for yes. other girls, but that made me yes. so mad. That, oh, that just made me furious that he would dare to think that I was going to plea for his attention. So, yeah. um, but she was absolutely right. You know, even though consciously I just, I really did want to get rid of his stuff. And I, I didn't, I, I didn't at such a short period of time, like I didn't want him to call me and then I mean, say, I threw all your things away or I gave all your stuff to charity because I don't like to be wasteful. Um, but, so anyway, I, I I had a basement. I just put it all in the basement um, until about probably the two-month mark, and then I, I did give all of his things to charity. But I, I, he had some of my stuff, so I wanted my stuff back, and I was going to be like, okay, well, you give me back my stuff, I'll give you back your stuff, and that's going to do it. But um, And then I I was really lucky that I, I got a really good therapist because not all therapists are the same and not all therapists are familiar with pathology. And That's actually right. 
she said to me, um, she said, I'm going to tell you something. I have no doubt that this man is going to contact you again, and this is going to be the biggest test of your life, and you better hope you don't fail it. She said, staying away from him is the biggest test of your life, and you just better hope that's a test you don't fail. And it kind of stopped me cold, you know, because I really could see the truth in what she was saying. And so between those two reinforcements, um, I, I was able not to contact him because I promise you now, I promise you if you had sent me a one-line email those first couple of weeks, I would have yeah. folded, I would have seen him, I would have started that vicious cycle that you're referring to. And I think yeah. um I think God was just being really good to me. <laughs> but he he never contacted me. And as far as I know, yeah, I never, it. it did play out well for you, but you you know, you listened and you did that and the no contact thing is huge. It's it's massive in as far as the narcissistic trip goes. And I work with a lot of women regularly. And the ones that really do get empowered really do bite the bullet on that space of the non-contact and make sure that they're doing non-contact. And even if they've got children and things and they've still got settlement and whatever going, well then, you know, they assume all of that through third parties and everything that they can do to minimise the contact as much as possible because the problem is with the narcissist is when you are doing contact is that he's really, you know, he's devel- you're objectified and you're a source of supply. And, you know, good attention or bad attention makes no difference, but because of that lack of empathy and that lack of middle ground and playing fair, um, and of course, because any woman that's been with a narcissist has had this belief that he is the guy. He is meant to be the guy that's the right guy for me. And that's a huge thing to let go of. So we're trying to get some sort of sense of that guy back and he will be using you as an object for supply. And it's horrible. You can't win that. You can't win that game. There's no, you know, and a lot of women are hanging in and hanging in and going, well, I just want to get some power back. I want to control back. I want to, I want to get some sort of control back. You can't. It's impossible. Oh, it's a futile game. It never works. So no contact is the only way to go. But this is where, you know, the information about working out the narcissist and realizing what's really going on and really depersonalizing it and not going, well, it's just this horrible trip that's so personally painful. It's just the narcissist is operating the way he does because he's a narcissist and Unfortunately, narcissists live in a parallel universe. They don't operate or think the way we do. And that's okay. It's just the way it is. But that's why it's so important to, uh, when you're getting help with this, that you're not stuck in the narcissistic muck of continually blaming and being the victim and hating narcissists and how disgusting and how can they do it and it's just so horrible and get the information, but then this is about really taking the ownership of this and really working out, you know, why has this happened? Why has this gravitated into my life? Why have I hooked up with it? And, you know, Susie, we talked about this stuff. We talked about this when we talked um, only a few days ago. 
But um, just if you'd like to share, like, you know, your empowerment journey and what you've got out of, like, the forums and the message boards and the responsibility and self-ownership you've taken on this, if you can just share that with the listeners. Um, I'd, be, I'd be so happy to. I just, I, I think, when it, again, because I have a, a great therapist, and one of the first things she said to me is, one day you will thank him for being your greatest teacher because everybody comes into your life for a reason. And if, you know... Look, hear, hear to that. I just want to interrupt again. Hear, hear to that. Because you know what? Unfortunately, what I hear through so many people who see therapists is it was just bad luck. It was just bad luck this happened to you. Now, is there any more of a victim statement than that? No, and if it's and if it's bad luck, if, if that's if that's what your therapist is telling you, and that's what you're thinking, oh my gosh, darn it! You know this happened to me, and I have no, you know, I, I played no part in this. Then how? Yeah, and I have no control over what happens to me in my life with men. Absolutely, and and I can tell you, I mean, to me, the biggest part of this, I remember, I rem- again, I remember. My, so many things my therapist told me, she said, um, how do you like being a, a doormat? You know, she said, because he he used you and then he left when he wanted. And she said, you know, you know what a doormat, you know what a narcissist, he's a narcissist, well, congratulations, you know what a narcissist needs to be in a relationship with is a doormat. And if mm-hmm. you're not willing to be a doormat, that relationship wouldn't have lasted five minutes. And, I mean, those are all harsh words, but they were very true words. And and like you were saying, when he showed up, I swear to you, I thought the universe had delivered me everything I'd ever been looking for in a man. He was very handsome. He had a very good job. He was very well educated. He had a doctorate. He was a published author. They were all these things that I wanted yeah. to be. I mean, not necessarily a doctorate, but um, I've always, you know, I've always wanted to write a book and be a published author. I, I, I don't, I don't do any, I don't make any strides towards it, but that might have been part of the attraction. Um, but he was everything. He was everything I thought I could want in a man, um, other than the part that he's missing a heart, you know. Yes, <laughs> other than the yes. part that there's a big hole a little where a heart should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything I wanted plus a disorder, you know. I, I forgot to ask yeah. for that in my, in my description. Um, but I, uh, one of the, one of the, things that I found most helpful is to, you know, really work on my boundaries. And um, yeah, one of the books that I that I read, I've read several, you know, about the subject that they said that you know, they, that women that get in these relationships tend to have very lax boundaries, and that's exactly what they look for. They look for women. I that agree. Are very nice, I agree totally. Over empathetic, you know, they want yes. their they yes. they have no empathy. And women so they that don't for, speak up. When there's issues Absolutely. and there's problems and there's things, don't speak up, brush over it. You know, like, 
And this is it. People who get into narcissistic relationships are usually very intelligent, very strong women in other areas of their life because there's a lot of resources to mine from a woman who's intelligent, who's usually got, um, you know, she might have security going for her already. She's, you know, and she's a survivor. She's an independent. She's actually somebody who's really quite good at taking after, looking after her own needs because a narcissist does not want a clingy woman that's going to need him to look after her. He doesn't want that. He wants to mine you, not look, he wants to control you, but he doesn't want to be caretaking you. So he looks for a woman that's quite independent, but has got poor boundary function. She's going to put up with a lot of behavior and not stand up to it, not speak up about it. So I get really frustrated and I'm very like proactive in this when there's a lot of the narcissistic forums and writers out there that are saying when a narcissist hits you and enmeshes with you, you are totally defenseless. He will absolutely get in there and, and wring you off your feet and there's no part of it on your part of it. It's just bad luck. And when they enmesh with, when one of these monsters enmesh with you, you're defenseless. Now, I don't agree. I agree that we were never given the boundary training. A lot of women, and I never knew boundaries until I learnt them and now I teach them. Uh, you know, but we weren't given that training. No, we weren't. But I also know that there are women that had a lot of healthier boundaries than what I did naturally that were never ever meshed with a narcissist. I have friends that would never get with a narcissist in a million years. Because they're just too clear cut and they stand up. I didn't. No, no. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I definitely know that with me, it was this deep-seated fear of abandonment um, that I had going on that, I, and I don't understand because, like you're saying, I was very independent, very self-sufficient. Um, you know, I'm... I'm in my 40s, I own my own home, you know, whatever. I, I wasn't sitting around, you know, yeah. forced, waiting for Prince Charming. Um, and and they love that. They they do target that. It's not so much fun, you know, for them. If you, if you were some meek, mild little wallflower, how is that fun for them to try to take it? take you over and control you, that's easy, you know. So they, they, they want exactly what you're saying. They want an independent woman. They don't, they don't want to be, you know, you to be needed to be. They, they want you to take yeah, care of Yeah, they want a woman that stands up for definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's part of the draw for them is that you do everything that they don't want to do. I mean, I, I was like, I turned into his personal um, you know, secretary and slave, you know, like I put together, yes, yes. I'd make his doctor's appointments, I would um, make his bank deposits, I renewed his tag, and, and all the while I'm thinking, why do I do all this stuff? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But they, yeah, yeah, they have yeah, such yeah. a huge, you know, entitlement that you you just think, oh, okay, sure, I'll do that for you. You know, they they just ask you to do things for them. Um, and, and meanwhile, I, I wasn't under, which all that stuff, like, it's not like it's such a big deal. If there's some sort of reciprocity that there is none in a, in a narcissistic relationship, there is zero. Yeah. It's, you're doing all the giving, right. they're doing all the taking, and that's just how they like it. 
And look, that is the model of most women, most nice women are codependent and really need to learn not to be because we're givers and we're fixers. And that's part of the lovableness that we think we are. No, right. we're brought up by mothers that you're meant to give, you're meant to fix, you're meant to give to your man, you're meant to give to your kids, you're meant to give, 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 give. And that's a perfect target for a narcissist. They see a bullseye on everybody's forehead. And that's they, right. they say that's right. that they, if they walk into a party and there's 200 people, that they will spot, spot us women with low boundaries, They'll, if there's one out of 200, they will make a, make a, you know, they can zero in on it. They can zero in on it. And um, I also I wanted to mention, because I think it's really important that most of them come on really, really strong and want to um, get sexual really, really quick. So Absolutely. If, if you just look for that as a, as a sign right there, and I'm not saying everybody that comes on really, really strong is a narcissist, but... And, you know, it's a good sign to look for. They want to be intimate, you know, very quick. They want to be your, want you to be their girlfriend really, really fast. And, and, you know, they want to sweep you off your feet, get your feelings involved, and then, then they can start to show themselves. They can, they can drop the mask of sanity. I, I love that term. I I think that's my favorite term because, Nobody could have looked more sane than this person, you know, um, been, again, successful in every way. You show up, you're like, wow, look what I got. You know, I won the lottery, you know, and um, and then underneath it, it is vile, vile what they put you through. It's, It's like psychological warfare. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and it really is, you know, the definition of evil in inverted commas, it, it is because it is it is soulless and it's very malicious, you know, and, and that's just the truth of it. But you're right in that men hook up uh, narcissistic, well, men and women, will uh, want to enmesh very, very quickly. And it's all about instant gratification. You know, those people don't have patience. They don't have the long view so it's the most perfect, perfect strategy against narcissists is when you are dating and when you are meeting people to, you have to have enough sense of self. And this is what the, the healing is all about from narcissism is to get a sense of self that you never had even before the narcissist came because point blank, if you'd have had that and people profess that they did and they say they had and I was complete, I was this, I was that, no, you weren't. And we've really got to own that because when you right. get a sense of self after this has all happened to you, you'll know the difference. And I promise you I do and a lot of people do. And when you've got a sense of self, you don't have to enmesh with somebody quickly. What you're going to do is you're going to stand back, you're going to ascertain, you're going to take your time. There's no hurry. And you really, rather than just run off emotions, you want to ascertain character. You want to ascertain values and background. You know, it's like buying a house or a car. You don't just rush straight into it. But if we're needy and we don't have enough sense of self and we're fearful of being alone or left on the shelf or we're never going to meet the right guy or all those sorts of things and and we know we don't have a sense of how we're actually manifesting that destiny consciously, 
um, and there can be ultimate possibilities from great guys. We don't have to fall straight for the first person that's sweeping us off our feet because it's not healthy. And healthy men won't do that. Healthy men will absolutely be ascertaining themselves. They'll be looking for values and qualities. Is this woman going to be the right wife for me? Could she be the mother of my children? Could she be a stepmother to my children? Could she, you know, it's the narcissist that will do that, that will come in at a million miles an hour. And uh, and that's what I mean about, you know, I know a lot of women that even in my past with the narcissist, they'd say to me, you're going too quick, you're going too quick. And I'd be going, no, this feels so right. He's everything I've wanted. I just know, you know, I know he's the right man for me because that's what the narcissist does is he instills that in you so quickly you lose all sense of sensibility. So, and once that's gone... Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, so... But, you know, once, once we lose our heart and our body, women lose their heads. We do. And I you want to make sure up. that you're losing your heart and your body and your head to the right man. Somebody oh, yeah. who's going to really respect it and take care of it. And, and I just wanted to comment that, you know, they, would beca- they, come, and they listen to everything you're saying. They have known that they were not normal, that they were disconnected from their emotions, that they weren't reacting like everybody else is reacting since they were small children. They have known that. They've seen it. You know, they've seen that when their dog died when they were 10, that their brothers and sisters were all crying and they could have cared less. So they know, wow, something's different about me. And mm-hmm. so they, they, they're just actors. They're common and they're actors. They've seen, mm-hmm. they've seen that they're not normal, so they've learned to compensate for their lack of emotions by learning to do what, people want but um you know when i when he left that he was on a dating site and he had left those those emails open he had emailed over a hundred women in a two-week period and what was most disgusting to me not you know not just the personal devastation was the lies that he was telling these women it was amazing whatever they said they wanted that's what he was if he if they said you know, that they wanted somebody that never had kids. He didn't have kids. He had children. You know, I mean, it was just amazing. So I think that's another part of it that's really important is that you're really careful the first few dates um, when you're dating after you've had a narc attack, as I like to call it, that you, you know, yeah. you don't tell them, you don't tell people, you you wait till you know you can trust people. You don't have to tell them, Oh my God, my last relationship was so horrible. I was treated so badly. Oh my, a, a narcissist that is money in the bank to him. Oh really? You let him treat yeah. you badly? Yeah. Well, wait, wait till you see what's coming. And yeah, um, so, so you you're really careful. And also, everything you tell them, they will say, Oh, me too. You know, because that's part of their game. You know, if you say you like foreign movies, they like foreign movies. You say you like soccer, they like soccer. I mean, whatever whatever it is, that's part of how they make you think. That's part of the illusion that they're the perfect man for you because they will appear to be anything you've told them. So 
And I, and I really think for me, I just remember from our third day that I knew something was wrong with him. The first two dates were pretty perfect, I'd say. But from the third date, I got a really funny feeling that, you know, the sky was off. And to just so pay attention to that, you know, the, the gift of fear, the gift of, of knowing something isn't quite right because it's when you don't honor that and that, that there's a lot of trouble coming your way <laughs> down the road. And mine was um, a somatic um, narcissist, a, a sex addict, uh, which I found out later, which I didn't know. But, um, you know, if I, if, with those especially, if you, if you don't have sex with them quickly, forget it. They're not going to stick around for that. I mean, that's right. just that's another that's reason. Right. And that's why I coined the phase six-week couch test. And that's, and that's, and I say, look, look, it's hard to put a time on it, but I say at least six weeks of dating. And I'm not talking six weeks of like internet contact and then you meet. I'm talking six weeks at least of being taken out to dates, getting to know this man, finding out about his background, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, at least six weeks before you allow it to get Stuck around for that. I know this is going to hang out. No, Mm-mm, no, especially if they're traumatic. <laughs> That's um, right. And I also think what's key is during those six weeks that you are saying to yourself, because I, I was like a puppy because he seemed to be so much what I wanted. I remember those yeah. first three days. I was like, oh my god, I hope he likes me. Oh my god, does he like me? Does he like me? Does he like me? You know, like a, like a little puppy waiting yeah. to be petted and, um, you know, yeah. talking to all my girlfriends. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I hope he likes me. Oh God, he's everything I've ever wanted. And instead of yeah. me ever for once evaluating him. You, Correct. You know, like, and I saying, is thought, he what I want? Is Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly. what I think saying. Stop trying to wants you to be and actually look at him and go, you know what, is he what I want? And be the truth chosen. On paper, but not interaction. Do you know what I mean? Like I remember yeah. our first date, which I thought was, well, it was probably more the second date. The first date was we talked, we met at a co- for coffee, we met online, and then we met for coffee. And um, we, we we talked for four hours, which I thought was great. You know, like at the two-hour mark, I asked him, hey, do you need to get home? You know, I wanted to give him an out because I thought, wow, I really like him, but if he doesn't like me, you know, let me let him leave. And he's like, no, no, let's go. Let's go have a beer. You know, we've had enough coffee. Let's go have a beer. So, you know, we had a drink and spent two other, you know, two more hours just talking, and it was lovely. And the, and the, But the second date, um we, you know, again, we were talking, but this time he was talking, you know, <laughs> and we talked, we met early that day. We met like at 6 o'clock in the afternoon, at, well, at night, and then it was like one thirty in the morning, and we were still talking. I remember we were in my car because the restaurant we had been in had closed, and I was about to fall asleep, and I, I remember I told my friend, I'm like, oh, my gosh, he just talks and talks. I think he must be so lonely. <laughs> Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, and that's what I thought because we had just moved to this town and he didn't know anybody. And I, I thought, oh, 
the poor guy just doesn't have anybody to talk to. Meanwhile, he just he didn't he didn't want to listen. You know, it's just because he was just fine listening to himself talk. You know, he wouldn't have cared anything that I had to say. He just wanted to hear himself talk because he thought he was so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. like, we I had paid attention to that room. What's that? We've just had up in the chat room, and uh, you know, one of the one of the guests has written in, which is a really, really good point. That uh, she finds that a lot of women that believe that it was not anything about them that attracted an N were children of N's. I totally agree. I've found the same um, theory come forward, definitely, definitely. And uh, you know, look, anybody that I work with that it's a really, really important thing that we get past that very, very quickly because when people are just going, you know, look, I was a victim and I was targeted and I was really powerless in all of this. Uh, you know, look, I only probably have 1% of my clients that really want to hang on to that. I can't help them. I can't help right. them at all. There's nothing I can shift or do with those people. And uh, and I can really understand that too. Look, and I think for all of us that have been with ENDS, we've definitely had backgrounds where uh, either we were with ENDS or we were with definitely parents that didn't honour boundaries. I know as a kid I, I was given no boundaries. All of my boundaries were completely shattered and violated constantly. I never had a boundary. So uh, it was really normal for me to be mined, um, absolutely. So, yeah, look, and the thing is, too, that as children, it was about survival rather than empowerment. And, look, definitely as kids, we are powerless. Like, a, a kid can't lay boundaries and go, well, you know, Dad, you're an alcoholic, and unless you go get help and go to AA, I'm leaving at four years of age. Like, it's just impossible. But as adults, we've got to take responsibility. We've all come from... You know, these are, these are patterns. We didn't sort of wake up as adults and become, you know, susceptible to narcissists. We, this is a pattern, and I'm, I'm into past life work a lot. You know, that's a big part of what I do. Whatever we're still doing as a pattern here, we've done it before. We might have been doing it for lifetimes, and most people have been. That's why it's so deep and painful, and I believe anybody that runs into a narcissist has had a really deep pattern going for a long, long time. It's why you've been confronted with evil. No, but um, as adults, we've got choices. We have got choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and that's interesting, and that's the point too. Like a cerebral doesn't try to get you into bed. He respects you too much, at least mine was. Look, I would agree with that too. It's really the somatics that will really go full on. But, you know, even with the cerebrals, there are definitely... Um, I mean, my look, both of my narcissistic experiences, I think they were a bit of both. Definitely the first one, very somatic, that ended up in bed very quickly. The second one, I laid boundaries, but there was still the aspects of entitlement and demands and not comfortable with me having um, interests outside of the relationship, and that showed up quite early, and I missed it because he was on a different level than the first narcissist. Um, you know, and I think, look, definitely apart from the six-week couch test, it's really important when you're dating anybody to not be immediately available, to not wrap your life around them, to retain your interests, make sure they know that you have your interests and have friends of the opposite sex, things like that. 
that a healthy and normal and healthy normal adults can respect and allow that stuff, no narcissist, cerebral or somatic, is going to cope with not having your fully undivided attention because they're mining attention. And that flushes them out very, very quickly. Absolutely. Would you agree with that, Susie? Oh, absolutely I would. And, um, you know, it's funny what you're saying about having friends because, um, like I said, mine lived about almost two hours away, and so he would come um, you know, the, at the beginning, of course, it wasn't like that. But after, I don't know, four or five days, he started, you know, first it was just, you know, whatever, on a Saturday night. And then he, he didn't work on Friday, so he started coming on Fridays and staying until Sunday. Um, and then I, I, I didn't see it till later, but I remember when Sunday, because he normally leaves Sundays like around noon, and one Sunday he was staying a little longer, which was no big deal, but I, I had made plans to see some friends at 3 p.m. So at like, you know, 2.30, I said, hey, listen, I've got to get going. Um, I've got to meet some friends. So, you know, I didn't want to like throw him at the door. I just said, hey, you know, just lock the door behind you. I'm going to get going. He, I think he was watching a movie or something, so I didn't want to interrupt his movie on TV. So I said, hey, I'm going to get going. Just lock the door behind you. You know, see you, see you next week. And then the next week, he started staying till like, 8, you know, on Sundays. And I thought, oh, my gosh, look how much he likes me, you know. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we can take it as a compliment, huh? Oh, I know, I know. Look, 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 he likes me so much, he's staying even later. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and then, you know what, if a man starts calling you six or seven times in a row, do not take it as a compliment? No. I fell into that trap. Right. Take it as unhealthy obsession and very narcissistic. Absolutely, absolutely. And he then, you know, then one time, again, you know, I said, oh, listen, I have to go. I'm meeting friends, you know, at 8 o'clock. Um, I'll see you later. And then that's when he started staying until midnight. And I, again, I just didn't, I, I just thought, oh, my gosh, he just has to spend all his time with me. And it wasn't bad. He was trying to make sure that I didn't have, you know, any friends. And I remember my mother, who never picked up on the fact that he was a narcissist, um, that would say to me, you're giving him too much of your time. You know, you don't really have any kind of um, real, you know, commitment. I don't know really what's going on with him, but he's still, he's coming Thursday night and staying until Monday morning. And you don't really have a good handle on what kind of relationship this is. She said, you're just giving him too much of your time, which she was absolutely right. But I wanted it. You know what I mean? I thought I thought that meant that he, he just wanted to spend all that time with me, not that he wanted to control me and make sure I wasn't having time for my friends, which is what he wanted. You know, area of, uh, you know, getting exclusivity and commitment. You know, but look, mind you, you can get exclusivity and commitment absolutely with a narcissist and there is still, you know, uh, I mean, I had that with both the narcissists. There was agreed exclusivity, commitment, we're definitely in a relationship. But, you know, um, and then it all went, you know, it all went, it all happened. We've got another question here. Mel is a big question. How is the best way to start laying boundaries? Wow, you're right. That is a massive question. 
Look, I've got, um, you know, and this is a little bit of a plug for one of my products, but I've got a Boundary ebook coming out soon because boundaries is a huge topic and boundaries are everything and boundaries relate to every single area of our life. So when the narcissist shows it up for us, uh, we look, it's only a magnification of what's already going on in our life. Definitely, definitely. So boundaries are huge. It's you're right, it's too big a question for us to put into, for me to put into a simple answer other than to get the education on it and start bringing it into every area of your life because, look, I know for me, you know, like cleaning up um, after the narcissist uh, abuse and recovery and cleaning up my life, one of the hugest, if not the hugest areas was it, of it was, I really owned that I had very poor boundaries and I really owned that I needed to really educate myself and change my life with my boundaries. And when I did, my whole life completely transformed. And I think as women, um, really, we've been very conditioned to have very poor boundaries and very low boundaries. And we just it just doesn't work. So that's, you know, if you go on my website, uh, melanietonyaevans.com.au, you can, I've actually got um, a boundary article on there which gives you a really good indication as to how to start thinking about boundaries. But my boundary ebook is really specific and that's coming out. And um, I've already got a lot of pre-orders on that because, it, look, it's really, really important and it's going to be very affordable. So I'm really going to get... I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to read it. And I just want to make one comment to whoever wrote that, that... Um, it is way too, bu- too big to address, but that might be a great topic for you, you know, one day just to have a, a, an hour just on boundary work. But I, I want to say this to whoever that is. You have got to know that when you look what your boundaries are before you get into the relationship, any relationship, you have to be very clear about what you're willing to accept and what you're not willing to accept and you have Absolutely. to be even more ready that when you draw that line in the sand and you don't have to be ugly, it doesn't have to be a fight, you just, when, when your red flags come up, that means your boundaries are being violated and your body will tell you. You will yes. know. And, but you well, have to be very willing to let go of that relationship, especially if you're in a relationship with a narcissist because they will not. They, they don't know what a boundary is. A boundary is a joke to them. A boundary is a fence yeah. that they're going to climb over. So just know that if you're with a healthy, or in a healthy relationship and you have a boundary set, no problems. That person will work with you. They'll respect you. They'll respect your boundaries. But I think, again, that was my fear in this relationship, which, of course, it was. I mean, the first time in eight months that we even had a remote argument that I I found, you know, evidence that my body had been telling me for months <laughs> was there, but it's the first time that I saw it with my eyes. And I said, what is this? This is not acceptable. He walked out the door. And that was a culmination of 50 little boundaries that I had just let go. Like, oh, I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to bring it up. But I, I, I think I knew deep down on some level that if I had, you know, just drawn one little baby line in the sand, that he would have been out of there because they have no connection to you. <laughs> you know, if, if they can walk away from you at any moment, 
at any moment when they feel like... And then there'll be the other type of narcissist too that will find a weak spot in you with your boundary. And I know that's what happened with me. I was trying to set boundaries, trying to set boundaries. But, you know, and the people that have experienced this, the twisting and the turning. You know, the twisting and the turning and turning it into your fault or confusing you or gaslighting you so that you're not... You, you're always questioning that boundary or, and then because of that fear of abandonment or rejection or criticism, you know, like um, letting your boundary slip. I know with my bottom lines, they became non-existent till I had no bottom lines. And then what was happening with me was, you know, I was tolerating behavior and things that I could never even dream of allowing happening to my dog, let alone happening to me. Because there were no bottom lines anywhere. They were just disintegrated. He'd either blow them up or manipulate them. And, uh, you know, but, but the bottom line was I wasn't clear. And the point you made is perfect. It, when, when you have good boundaries, you've got to be willing to lose it all to get it all. And what that is, is a huge ultimate reality. It's a spiritual law of attraction ultimate reality. Is that I know I'm an unlimited source and that I'm in an unlimited field and I don't have to put up with and struggle with and fight with this because there's more from where that came from. And that's what happens. You know, as soon as we start changing our energy and we go, well, this isn't my reality and I'm not going to play with this or try and change it and I don't want it, that opens the door to a whole new energy reality that comes into your life that steps the ante up more towards what you do want. And that's definitely my experience uh, and you know, many women that I work with is now they have men in their vibrational fields that come in that are just so not like that. They're a completely different brand because that old brand's no longer your reality because you won't tolerate it. You won't play like a toy you don't even have to pick up it with anymore you just go I'm just going to leave those toys in that corner because I've outgrown that stuff now and that's really cool when we get to that absolutely absolutely and um I know I had to I had to come to realize that I was a complete and total relationship addict which is um uh you know a form of an addiction and that I Big admittance, isn't it? It's a really big admittance and very healing when we can do that. Absolutely. And I I remember, you know, when my my therapist first said to me, are you willing to consider this and I'd like you to read a book? And I I said, look, I'll read any book you want me to read. Um, I said, but, you know, I don't understand how you could say that I'm a relationship addict when I've been two years between relationships with yeah. no problems. And, you know, those two years I wasn't frantically looking at every man thinking, oh, my God, are you in my next relationship? And there's two types of relationship addicts. There's a type one that just does go from one relationship to another. You know, they'll never be more than a few weeks without a relationship or yep. the kind that I am, which is a type two, that in between their relationships they're absolutely fine. But the minute, the minute they start seeing somebody, they become totally obsessed with the person and the relationship and lose yep. themselves in the relationship. Yep. And, oh, my gosh, I'm telling you, from our first date, he was all I could think about. And that just shows, you know, Well, you've how... just described my women. You've really just described most women. Our whole genetic DNA predisposition is about that. 
That's why women can be such a target for this. Right. Right. But it's not... Because their whole DNA is, let's get a man and get a man quickly to secure our survival and the survival of our offspring. Now, whether or not we've got a good job in security or children has got nothing to do with our DNA. Our DNA is all about that. And that's scary when we realize that. That is scary. But it's not when we realize that because so many of those urges are very primeval. They're very, very prehistoric for us. Right. And they're powerful. And that's why I love things like theater healing and stuff like that, which can really give us the shifts on that stuff. And just while we've got a few minutes left here too, Susie, we've got about four minutes left, just because uh, we did a theater healing on some of your stuff. We, you we did, and I, and found I just, it. yeah, I want you to share with people, like, because people hear hear me talk about theater healing. I know a lot of the listeners have come forth now, but and tried it out for themselves. But just if you can share your experience with it, Susie. Well, I I thought it was remarkably healing, and what I what I found um, is that it seemed to distance all those feelings. Like when when you and I had had my healing session. I had just been really triggered. I had um, spent a weekend with my father that I don't see. And and like you're saying, if you're in these relationships, you have family of origin issues. (laughs) And I have a mother that's a low-level narc, definitely a narcissist, but not a malignant one like like XN. And I have a father who's a serial cheater, and he said to me when I saw him, um, you know, that's just what men do you know, no man is a saint. And we, and I was just so shocked that he would even say that to me. And I was so agitated about it. It was so triggering. And, you know, you and I discussed this and we and you were doing the theta um, the healing with me. And now it just seems so far away. You know, it's not like it didn't happen. It's not like I don't remember it. It's that all that agitation and all that triggering is gone and it's at a distance. So... And he's very much at a distance, and and again, just to reiterate, it would he would not be at a distance for me emotionally and mentally if I hadn't done all of the hard work. But the main thing is the no contact, and no contact is what allows you to see the craziness that you were in, because when you're contacting them, even if it's just cyber stalking them, you are so energetically tied to them; it is unbelievable. Every time you see a picture of them with their next victim, you know, it's a knife in your gut, and you've got to stay away from all of that. It's the, and, and that's what Theta Healing does is it, it, it cuts that energetic connection because, you know, we're all just energy. And it's all yeah. happening. And the floor of attraction places. is, you know, whatever we're charging on, whatever your emotional frequency is, which is those charges and those hooks and those enmeshments, continues to manifest more of the same. So it's either going to be the hookup with the narcissist or it's going to be a hookup with somebody else who represents that painful pattern. So, you know, like those hooks of your dad, you know, were huge. And what they were always going to do is going to bring in a man that plays up because that's what the wound is. So, you know, that's where the energetic work can be so, so powerful because it just shuts off all of those old programs and those old charges. And then opens the way for a new reality. So, so anyway, Susie, thank you so much. We could do about thank five you. shows, I reckon. 
<laughs> Thank you. I think you've been fantastic and I'm sure you've helped a lot of people through coming forward today. And look, everybody, you know, uh, thank you for listening in and the people in the chat room and, you know, a great topic and great show. And please, if you're wanting energetic shifts, you're wanting to become empowered and not be a victim, come forward, check out my website and what there is to offer there. And, uh, you know, looking forward to getting at that boundary book soon so I can help people with that. But uh, we're all in this together and, um, you know, it's great. It's great to be able to come out the other side. And for people that want to come out the other side, you so can. Get your boundaries right, you right, your deservedness right and start creating the life and the love you really deserve because I promise you, when you come out of this, you will and you'll never look back. And that's what it's all about. So, you know, Susie, yay to you, a woman who's not looking back, who's going forward. Thank you. All right, and you have a great night, and thanks for coming on, and we'll talk soon. And good night, or good morning, or good afternoon, everyone that's listening in, and um, and I'll catch you next week. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.